Hey, everybody. You're listening to the Legacy Church Podcast. Legacy Church is a multi-generational church that exists to worship God, become like Jesus, and bring hope to our community. Today, we're sharing a message from our current series. We believe that the Word of God is powerful and has real-life application to our lives today. We hope that this message encourages you. Get connected and learn more about us by visiting our website at lgcy.church. This is a word that I've felt like is for today. Ephesians 2, verses 13 to 21, and I'm going to read in two different translations here, so you could follow along on the screen. If you have your analog Bible, we're so thankful for that, but you're probably not going to be in line with the versions that I'm reading today. It says, But now in Christ Jesus, you who formerly were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who made both groups into one and broke down the barrier of the dividing wall by abolishing in his flesh the enmity, which is the law of commandments contained in ordinances, so that in himself he might or he might make the two into one new man thus establishing peace and might reconcile them both into one body to God through the cross by it having put to death the enmity and he came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near for through him we both have our access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers or aliens. Isn't that interesting, that term alien? Now, my mother being uh, from Kitchener, uh, born and raised in Kitchener, my father being from the United States, growing up, I remember in my mom's wallet was a resident alien card. And I thought, what in the world? Is my mom from another planet? But she lived she lives in the United States, and so she has a resident alien card. This is what it's talking no, We're no longer strangers and aliens, but we are fellow citizens with the saints and are of God's household, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole building being fitted together is growing into a holy temple in the Lord in whom you also are being built together into a dwelling of God in the Spirit. Continuing on, this is where it goes into uh, Ephesians 3. This is why I, Paul, am in jail for Christ, having taken up the cause of you outsiders, so-called. I take it that you're familiar with the part I was given in God's plan for including everybody. I got the inside story on this from God himself, as I just wrote you in the brief, going on into verses 14 to 19. This is his response. This is his prayer in this moment. My response is to get down on my knees before the Father, this magnificent Father who parcels out all heavens and earth. I ask him to strengthen you by his spirit, not a brute strength, but a glorious inner strength that Christ will live in you as you open the door and invite him in. And I ask him that with both feet, 
planted firmly on love. You'll be able to take in with all followers of Jesus the extravagant dimensions of Christ's love. Reach out and experience the breadth. Test its length. Plumb its depth. Rise to the heights. Live full lives. Full in the fullness of God. Come on, we all want to live a full life in his fullness. God can do anything. Everybody say, God can do anything. God can't just do something. God can do anything. And God can do everything. God can do anything, you know, far more than you could ever imagine. Or guess or request in your wildest dreams. He does not by pushing us around, but by working within us. His spirit deeply and gently within us. God, I just thank you right now for your word. I thank you. I thank you that we would be open to receive what you have for us this morning. I thank you, God, that our eyes would be open to see this revelation, that our ears would be open to hear this truth, that our heart would be open to receive what you have for us this morning. We thank you. We thank you. We thank you that every person that might walk by this building tonight would feel something. They would feel your presence. They would know that God is there in that place. God is in there on that corner church as they walk by this building tonight to go to that stadium. God, we just thank you for what you're doing in this city. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Well, uh, let's, I'm going to pivot here just for a moment. Uh, but does anybody like mystery movies? Does anybody like thrillers? We've got some thriller fans in here. Does anybody like those mystery movies? Now, I'm not going to ask if you like horror movies, uh, but this is that season as we come through Halloween where we get into those weird movies where you know that someone's getting murdered, and you know, like if you've ever seen the Scream movies, you know that any one of those people is the killer, but you don't know who it is. And as things go on and as time reveals itself through the course of that movie, you realize things are getting revealed a little bit more. They're getting revealed a little bit more. And then you start to clue in as to who you believe the murderer is or who you believe the person that committed the crime is. Come on, it's a mystery. And that's what Paul is talking about in this moment. He's talking about the mystery of God. He goes on in verses 3 to 8 talking about the mystery of God, and he mentions it over four times in this passage. That word that he is using, the mystery, uh, it comes from the Greek word, which is mysterion, which sounds like an incredible WWE wrestler. Mysterion is going to take you out from the top ropes. He's talking about mysterion in this passage. What it means, it means uh, that which God has hidden, only God can reveal. That mystery, what God has hidden, only he can reveal. When God hides something, man in all of his understanding, in all of his education, in all of his intelligence, cannot discover it alone. It has to be revealed to God. And this is what Paul is talking about in this passage. Paul says, it's been made known to him through a revelation. It's been made known to him as he was revealing, as things were going on and as things were revealing themselves a little bit more, it became a revelation to him as the mystery of God. What that word revelation means, it means taking the lid off to uncover or to pull back the curtain. If you've ever seen the Wizard of Oz, you see the great wizard 
And we realize all in all by the end of the movie, if you haven't seen it, you're about 60 years late. If you haven't seen it, when they pull back the curtain, it's simply just a man behind a curtain making that big wizard happen. To pull back the curtain. Ephesians 3.1 says, this is why I, Paul, am in jail for Christ. Another translation reads that I am a prisoner of Christ. Now, when we read that and when we think about that, we think, well, why do we think that Paul said that he's a prisoner of Christ? Our, our, I think our, in our understanding and in our uh, breakdown of these things and of these descriptions, we think of prison as a negative thing. And so when we read this, we think, I am a prisoner of Christ. That sounds terrible. I'm chained to Christ, is what he was saying. I'm a prisoner of Christ. You know why we think that when we read that is because our perspective of prison is one of negative. It's a negative perspective because we all watched Shawshank Redemption. We all saw Orange is the New Black. We all tried to watch Oz and realized how terrible it was and we turned it off after three minutes. Come on, we all saw Prison Break. The whole point of that show is to try to get out of jail. And so we think about this in this context that he is a prisoner of Christ. We think of it in the negative context. Now we have to think in this moment that Paul was likely in a Roman prison. He was likely a prisoner of Caesar. And in this moment, if you didn't know in history, they were likely chained to a Roman soldier. So they were shackled to a Roman soldier in this time. Now, I believe what Paul is saying in this moment and the revelation that he is having in this moment is I'm a prisoner to the love of Christ. I'm a prisoner to his love. But let's take off the negative connotation to that for a moment because we are a prisoner to something. We are shackled to something. If I were to have a dog, I would have a dog on a leash. So that thing couldn't run away. And that's what this moment is. It's like I'm chained to this thing. I'm shackled to this thing. I'm chained to his love. I'm shackled to the one whose affection for me changed everything in my life. He was so overtaken by, he was infatuated by the love of Christ. He said, I'm a prisoner for Jesus for the sake of the Gentiles, for the sake of the ones who are on the outside, for the sake of those who cannot see. Now, what you have to understand is this term Gentiles, it doesn't, it's not a term that describes someone and what they are. It's a term that describes someone and what they aren't. And so we have to understand that there are people that are on the outside that are waiting. There are people that are on the other side of a wall that are waiting in this moment. So he was chained to his calling to tell them that Christ had demolished all of the dividing walls for the temple. In other words, for the sake of those who are on the outside, for the sake of those who are lost, for the sake of those who haven't found his life yet, for the sake of those who haven't found his hope, for the sake of those who are looking. So we go on into verse 14 through 19, and Paul in this moment is now praying, and he says this, For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts. Now, as a kid, did you ever read that scripture and think like, how in the world does this big God live on the inside of my heart? Is anybody like, you just like logically, like that doesn't make sense. 
He's a big God. We talk about how big he is. He created the world. He created the universes. He created all the stars. He created the earth. He created the night, the day, the sky, the sea. He created all the creatures in it. And how in the world is he supposed to live on the inside of my heart? Now, I think in this moment, and I go back to my childhood when I read this, and at the time of my childhood and at the time of hearing the scripture in Bible school, or in, in Bible, in kids' church, I began to think of a, a movie that helped me understand this, which was Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Anybody remember that movie? The great scientist Wayne Zielinski. If you're over the age of 35, you understand what I'm talking about. If you're under the age of 35, you have no clue what I'm talking about. But there was this movie of this crazy scientist that invented this shrink ray. And uh, somehow, by, by accident and by chance, the baseball flew through the window. It activated the shrink ray. And his kids somehow uh, made it into the attic to look for some the baseball that they were looking for. But they didn't know that the shrink ray was activated. And it shrunk them. And then they go on this incredible journey in through their backyard where they're riding ants and doing all kinds of crazy things. Now, I say that to say this, this is what I think of in this moment. Like, this is, he must, God must know Wayne Zielinski in order to live on the inside of me. He must have been shrunken down so that he can live in my heart. See, becoming a Christian is allowing Christ to move on the innermost part of our being, on the innermost part of who we are. Now we think of Paul in this moment, and Paul is praying in this moment, and he's praying in this passage, and I begin to think, well, what, what would I want Paul to pray for me for? I know I would want Paul to pray for my circumstances. I would want Paul to pray for the situation that I'm walking through this past week. I would want Paul to pray for, for what I'm going through for the next few months. I would want Paul to pray for the exterior things in my life. Some of us would want Paul to pray for our circumstances, for our situation, for our financial problems, for our marriage, for our kids, because you never met my kids. My kids need prayer. But Paul is praying in this moment, not what's for on the outside, but what's for on the inside. Stephen Furtick, a great minister in North Carolina, says, we love the idea of God changing our circumstance more than we love the idea of God changing us. And I think that's the issue. We, love, we want God to step into our situation. We want him to step into our circumstance. We want him to step into our financial problems. We want him to step into our marriage, but we don't want him to touch me because this is how I was made. This is how I was born. This is who I am. But in all actuality, we need him to change us from the inside out, not the outside in. Now, I'm so thankful because we have a lot of uh, we have a lot of seasoned Christians in this church, and I'm so thankful. I remember growing up, there was a, 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 a couple people that I knew in my church in Fairmont, West Virginia, that when they came in, you could tell that life had just been hard on them. Life had been difficult on them. And they got saved, and they gave their life to Jesus. And in that moment, as they began to, you know, uh, uncover the truths of the Bible, as they begin to dig deeper in their relationship with God, their physical look changed as well. They went from looking like 70 at the age of 40 to looking like 40 at the age of 70 because God changed them on the inside and in effect that changed their outside too. But we must understand what our heart is. We must understand that in this moment Paul is praying for what's on the inside, not what's on the outside. 
We must understand our heart is our personality. It is our will. It is our emotions. It is the control center of who we are. Paul is praying that Christ would take the center stage of our lives. That he would go to the very core, to the center, the command center of who we are and that he would take control. I'm praying that for you today, that you would be strengthened in the center stage. You would be strengthened in the control center of your lives. That You wouldn't be praying just for your circumstances to change, but you would be praying for God, reveal what's on the inside, what needs to be removed. God, reveal what's in me that needs to go. Reveal the attitudes. Reveal the mindsets. Reveal the things that need to change so that you can use me the way you want to use me. He will move in. He will start moving stuff around. He will begin to change your appetites. He will begin to change your desires. He will begin to change your priorities. Ephesians 3, 16, I pray that out of his glorious riches that he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your heart through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love. Do you know how you grow in this walk? Do you know how you become more rooted and established? Come on, you got to pray. You got to pray. I'm amazed being a Christian, growing up in the church, how many people that have been going to church for 30 years, 40 years, even 5 years, 10 years, that don't understand the importance of prayer and they don't use it in their own lives. The only time we pray is when we come together as a church. The only time we read our word is when it pops up on the screen. Isn't that a shame? I'm so thankful for the youth of this house because Pastor Rachel has been teaching them how to read their word, how to soap, how to get in there and get the understanding that God has for them. I'm so thankful for that. I would pray that the church church as a whole would get a greater desire for the word, that you would get a greater desire for the things of God. Just like Cadence, Cadence over here, she read, what, two books of the Bible in less than a month, I believe it was, and soaped the whole thing. Yes, come on, you can can shout for that. Come on, there's a hunger, there's a desire for the things of the Word of God. I'm so thankful for that, because that'll change her life forever. Read your Word, pray. Come on, something else you can do to be deeply rooted is to begin to serve. We, we, we need people around here who are able to serve and volunteer and, and do more. We can't do more unless you serve more. And we want to do more. Our heart and our desire in this house is to serve our city, to love our city, to love those in our community, to do more in this area. Come on, we need more musicians. We need more people serving for city care. We need more people greeting at the door. You don't have to have a bachelor's in theology to greet at the door. You just have to have a smile, decent breath, and a good handshake or hug. Come to church. Come to church consistently. Stay obsessed and focused on Jesus, his love for you. This is why we worship every time we come. This is why we read and get into the word every time we come. Because it helps us become more rooted and established in his love. And it gives us a greater understanding of that. Studies have found that if a tree has a steady diet of 
nutrients, if the soil is right, if a tree has a steady diet of water, if a tree has a steady diet of sunlight, that the growth of it is unlimited. You can't put a limit on its growth. You cannot put a limit on its growth, but what happens if you take that tree from that perfect scenario, if you take that tree from the the great nutrients that are in the soil, from the perfect sunlight that hits it at the certain times of day, for the uh, amount of water that that, that reaches its roots every day, if you take that from that perfect scenario and you uproot it and you put it somewhere else, that process starts all over again and that tree is stunted. It's hard to get in shape spiritually if you only work out on Sunday. It's hard to get in shape spiritually if you only work out one Sunday a month. It's hard to get in shape spiritually if you only work out on Easter and Christmas. My wife, who is faithful to the gym three times a week, is challenging me because of the season that I've been in and the busyness that I've been in. I haven't been to the gym more than once every other month. And so our trainer, he goes, well, this is your bi-monthly time to come to the gym today. But I'm not expecting great results because I'm not putting the time in. I'm not expecting my life to change. I'm not expecting to look like Arnold Schwarzenegger working out every other month, once. What would it have looked like if the disciples valued worship and community like we tend to do sometimes in our life? I got a picture of what the disciples, here it is. This is what it would look like if the disciples valued church and community the same way that some of us do sometimes. Now this is the great painting of the Last Supper. Peter. My mother-in-law came in for the weekend. I just couldn't make it to church. Andrew, I was up kind of late last night watching the F1 race. And boy, was it good, but I just didn't feel like going to church this morning. James, son of Zebedee, really, I just needed some me time. John, I was there last week. Besides, I'm not really being fed anyway. Philip. Well, we finally had a sunny day to hit the lake today. You know, I don't know if the boat's going to make it much longer, so I decided that I was going to hit the lake one more time. Bartholomew. Well, I had lunch scheduled or brunch scheduled with my Uncle Zed. Thomas. I doubt it would have been any good today. Pastor Matt speaking. Matthew. I had to get my taxes done. James, son of Alpheus, my dad really wanted to fish today. Thaddeus, the kids needed a rest day. Simon, I didn't really hear my alarm because I didn't set my alarm because I don't actually have an alarm. (laughs) Judas, I'm just getting used to the same message and I need something new. I think so often we can come up with excuses, we can come up with reasons, we can come up, and this is what the Last Supper would have looked like. Had we all had the same commitment levels that we do today in 2023, which is all over the place. I don't say that any other way than comically to understand that we must put our focus on Jesus. That we must make church a priority. That we must make prayer a priority. That we must make his word a priority in our lives. That we must make worship more than just a Sunday morning for two or three songs for 15 minutes. 
but that it's a lifestyle. It is who we are as believers. Ephesians 3, 18. Continue on. May have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. Can I be honest? We need each other to feel the fullness of God's love. We need each and every person to feel the fullness of God's love. It is impossible to feel the fullness of God's love when you're isolated. When you place yourself at home on a Sunday morning, rather than picking yourself up, painting your face a little bit, put brush in your teeth, putting on maybe something that's better than sweatpants, and coming to church. Come on, there's times where I don't feel like getting out of bed. There's times where I don't feel like getting up here and speaking. There's times where I don't feel like praying. There's times where I don't feel like reading my word. But I understand that when I come, when I get here at 9.30 on a Sunday morning to dig into prayer for 30 minutes before the service, when I come expectant with an open heart, when I come expectant to receive something from God that he is going to do something great and mighty on the inside of me. He's going to do something great and mighty on, in this church. But you got to show up. You got to come expectant. You got to come ready for what he is going to do. You are a creature designed for community. The church is not a crowd. It's not a club. It's a community. It's a family. Some people say that it is a hospital for the sick, but also a training ground, almost like the military, where you come in off the battleground, you realize that your leg is busted up, and you need some care, and you need some attention, but then once you're healed and whole, then you're sent back out to show and to tell about his goodness and his love. That's what church is. Not only is it a hospital, it's a training ground, it's a proving ground. For his goodness, for his love, that we're able to serve each other, that we're able to love one another. Going on into Ephesians 3.19 says, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge. It's a love that goes beyond understanding. It's an inexhaustible resource, his love. But be, to become full of God, you need to show, let me say it this way, to become full, you need God to show you God. To become full, you need him to reveal himself. To become full, you need to have that understanding. You need to have that revelation. To reveal himself, it's beyond knowledge. But here's the thing is most people get stuck on understanding and knowledge. I've seen way too many people who are so deep into the study, who are so deep into the word that they begin to question the very thing that they understood. It's both knowledge and spirit. Knowledge and revelation. His love is something that we must experience. Ephesians 3, 20 and 21. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever. And ever, amen. God's power needs to be at work inside of you. See, in a moment of worship, in, a, in the middle of a message, in a reading of a scripture, 
There can be something that can hit you in that moment. There can be something that can hit you in the middle of that worship song as you're surrendered to God with your arms raised and your mouth open in that moment. There can be something that happens that comes in that moment where he reveals himself to you. Come on, when you get into the word and you read that word and you can read the same scripture over and over and over and over again for your entire life and that word would become different every time you read it. That he would reveal himself to you in a moment of worship, in the message that God inside of you is revealing himself. Now what I want want to end with is this, is that we have to understand in this passage and in this moment that Paul is in a season of life. That season of life isn't comfortable. That season of life isn't glamorous. That season of life isn't one that I think we would actually want. And what I would like to call that season is the quarry season. Paul's quarry process involved prisons, a few prisons. Four of the greatest messages in the New Testament, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, and Philemon. Paul was in prison. So we have to understand as he's writing this and as he's talking about God's love and as he's talking about this, the season of life is hard. It's difficult. It's trying. It's challenging. It's not glamorous. He's not flying around on a plane from location to location, talking to church to church. He's in prison with the rats, with the dirt, chained to a prisoner. And he's talking about God's love in this moment. I love 1 Kings 6 and 7, and I think this will adequately describe this season that he's in. 1 Kings 6 and 7, in building the temple, only blocks dressed at the quarry were used. No hammer or chisel or any other iron tool was heard at the temple site while it was being built. Now, what we have to understand, and bear with me just for a moment while I describe this, because the stones for the temple were built and they were cut at the quarry. Has anybody ever seen a quarry? Has anybody ever been to an Apple store? You say, well, what does that have to do with a quarry? Well, let me tell you a little secret. Being a fanboy of Apple for a long, long, long time. Every time you walk into an Apple store, you're walking on Italian marble from a quarry that they bought a mountain of over in Italy. You didn't know that. You just thought it was like this standard tile or this standard stone. No, no, they bought an entire mountain. And every time they open a store, it costs a minimum of $3 million just for the tile. Because they chip it out of the quarry on the Italian mountainside. They put it into its right form. They don't do it at the Apple store, they do it on site to measure, exactly to measure the the exact increments, the exact centimeters, the exact dimension that it needs to be placed. They ship it over to, to, to Burlington Apple store. They ship it to Toronto. They ship it all over the world. A quarry is a site in this moment, a quarry is a site where things are chiseled away from this big resource. And so this, what this passage is talking about in 1 Kings, in building the temple, only blocks dressed at the quarry were used. But then when they got to the site, the temple site, there was no hammer or chisel or any other iron tool was ever heard in, in, when it was being built. So in other words, the stones were cut and they were fit at the quarry. 
When they brought them to the temple, there was no need for a hammer or a chisel. They were the exact dimensions that they needed to be. They were perfectly formed and fit. See, all the chipping away of the ugliness, all the chipping away of maybe some of the relationships, all the chipping away of some of the people that maybe had negative impact on our life, the chipping away of the stone, the chipping away, which is sometimes hard. It can feel not great. The chipping away, the chipping away of the things in our life. And then what they tend to do is that then they polish those stones. They polish those stones in such a way that even, you know, it, it's a micro-abrasion, but it's a micro-abrasion to get it to its purest form, which is a polished stone. So even the, the polishing can feel uncomfortable. Even the polishing can feel like going to the beach and trying to get the sand out of your swim trunks for the next two weeks. It's uncomfortable knowing that there's sand in between your toes and other areas of your body. It's uncomfortable. That's the reason I hate going to the beach. If they, they invented something that could get rid of all the sand, I'd go to the beach all the time. But it's uncomfortable to have that sand. It's uncomfortable to have that irritation. It's uncomfortable to have that kind of constant polishing, that constant chipping away of the ugliness of the things of our life. But what is God doing in this moment? What is God doing in this process? He is perfectly fitting us for what is to come. A lot of us feel like we're stuck in the quarry, waiting for God to place us in the right spot. God, I, I, I'm ready to be used. I'm ready for what you have for me. No, no, you're not done yet, son. There's still some polishing. There's still some chipping away. There's still some rough edges that need to be uh, cleaned up so that you can fit perfectly. So that I can use you the way that I've intended you to be, to be used. The way that I created you to be used. There is still some polishing. There's still some chipping. There's still some forming that needs to happen. Waiting for God to place us in the right spot. Maybe waiting for God to place us with the right person. But yet we're not the person that we need to be for that relationship to work. Maybe waiting for God to place us in the right job, but we don't have the character yet to sustain what is about to come in that process. Maybe you just feel like you don't fit. Maybe you just feel like, I don't see how I fit into this anymore. I don't see how I fit into this in this next season. Let's go. Sometimes the process of removing things that are comfortable. That's the other thing. I think sometimes God starts shipping away things that are comfortable to us because we've decided that we're comfortable, we're not gonna move. And so maybe he's chipping away things because he wants us to get back up on our feet. He wants us to get back in the race. He wants us to not stay on the ground and sulk and be upset. God, why aren't you using me? But maybe he's chipping away things because he wants you to move in action. He wants you to take that next step that you need to take to get to where you're going. Maybe God is removing the ugliness. Maybe he's removing the hurt. Maybe he's taking off the rough edges. Maybe he's removing the familiar because we've settled. 
But what we have to understand is he's forming us and fitting us to be exactly who we were meant to be. Ephesians 2.21 In whom the whole building being fitted together is growing into a holy temple in the Lord. Let me read that again so that sinks in. In whom the whole building being fitted together. Maybe I would like to add that it would be perfectly fitted together. No need for chisel, no need for hammer, no need for any other instruments, but that it's being perfectly fitted together. It is growing into a holy temple in the Lord. Fitted has the idea in the passive sense, which means that we are being fitted, that God is fitting us, that he is shaping us, that he is forming us. But the thing is, is we have to allow ourselves to be put in a position to cooperate with the process. Going back to 3-1, this is why I, Paul, am in jail for Christ. Having been taken up the cost of the outsiders, having taken up, as the other translation reads, for the Gentiles, for those on the outside, for those who haven't seen his goodness yet, for those who haven't experienced his love yet, for those who don't know who he is yet. This is what Paul says, that I'm in jail for Christ. I think so often we can look at that and say, well, God, where are you? I'm sitting here in jail. It seems like every Monday a new prison comes. God, what are you doing? I'm tired. I'm exhausted. I can't take anymore. This would be our mindset. But Paul in this moment is saying, I'm in jail for Christ. I'm in prison to his love. I'm chained to his love. I'm chained to his goodness. God is going to accomplish the task, and I'm encouraging you today. God is going to accomplish the task. But it's going to be a lot better when we cooperate with what he's doing in our lives. This letter that we've read today is a perfect example of what God can do through a person while he is doing something in that same person. And that is my prayer for you today. I know the process may not be comfortable. It may not be easy. It may be difficult. There may be chipping away of things. There may be chipping away of people in our lives. There may be chipping away of relationships. There may be chipping away of things that feel uncomfortable in the moment. But God can still use you right where you are. Exactly how you are. Can I tell you that there's power in the process? God is doing something in this quarry season of your life. But will we cooperate with him in that chipping away? 
Will we cooperate with him in that polishing process, the micro abrasions, the things that may not be comfortable, that may not be. He'll do something through you while you're in the quarry. And I believe that so much for this church. There is a chipping away, but he is fitting us perfectly together. And we have to recognize that. Yeah, the chipping away can be difficult. Yeah, the chipping away can be uncomfortable. Yeah, the chipping away. But he is fitting us so perfectly together. He is building his temple. He is building his church. Is the pain worth it? Is the pain worth it? Maybe you need to recognize who that pain is for. He's not here today, but at least I don't think he's here today. But on my phone, I have a slideshow of all of my family. I have one of my son, I have one of my daughter, one of my wife, and then I have one of us all together. But the only other picture that I have on my, my home screen of my phone is a picture of, of myself and Dave Ward who got baptized on Easter a few years ago. You say, well, why do you have someone who's not your family on your home screen? Because every day when I see that, it's a reminder to me that it's worth it for the Daves. It's worth it for the Bentons. It's worth it for the Fred Nels. It's worth it for every person that comes to the city care market. Whether we're 50, whether we're five, whether we're 500, it's worth it. God, I thank you right now for every person in the sound of my voice. For every person who is in this room, who is watching online. God, I thank you that you have placed us here on this corner for this time. that you will continue to use us. That we will continue to glorify your name. We will continue to worship you. And we will continue to stand in the authority that you've given us. In Jesus' name. But maybe you're in here today and you say, maybe you say, I want to know this God that you're talking about. I want to know this Jesus. I've run for long enough. I've tried everything. And I want to invite him into my life. If that's you today. Come on, we just want to pray for you just in a few moments. But if you would, if you feel that call, you feel that call inside of you, you feel that tugging on the inside of you. Feel like something is different. And I want to know what that is. His name is Jesus. And you can invite him into your life. You can invite him into your heart to transform you. Not just from the outside, but from the inside out. 
If that's you today, come on, we want to pray for you. Just raise your hand real quickly so that we can pray. Maybe you're in here today and you say, I've run from God. I used to know Him, but I've grown far from Him. If that's you today and you want us to pray for you as well, we're going to pray just in this moment as a church, all together. Just raise your hand so we can pray for you. Come on, let's pray together. Come on, say it out loud. God, I thank you for sending Jesus to save me. Today I confess of my sins. Thank you for living for me. Thank you for dying for me. And thank you for redeeming me. Today I give you my life. Change me. Renew me. Transform me. I am yours. In Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, church. Let's celebrate this morning for those who said yes, for those who recommitted their life, for those who are saying yes to Jesus. Thanks for listening. To hear more, subscribe to this podcast and connect with us on our website at lgcy.church.